Transplanter RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter. That is at D-M-I-T-R-Y-O-P-I-N-E-S. And Explain Trade, a negotiation skills training consultancy believing in the power of D&D and Transplaner's potential to grow, tell great stories, and lift up our community. Explain Trade trains negotiators for governments, big companies, NGOs, and offers e-learning courses for individuals looking to get a better deal from their boss. Level up your charisma score and check out explaintrade.com. Hey there, thank you for tuning in to Trans Planar RPG. We are an all transgender, people of color led, 100% homebrew, Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition live streamed actual play campaign set in an original non colonial anti orientalist world. I am your game master, Connie, my pronouns are they, he, and she, and my cast is as follows. C. Thomas plays Oka Hien, an Osamar bloodhunter. Lyra Olsen plays Manaya Wairua, a half-orc fighter and warlock. Max Guo plays Dewey Quirk, an Aarakocra artificer. Erica Flaidlin plays V. Sherzo, an elf sorcerer. Hamna Shahid plays Jaron Kader, a dragonborn rogue. Dare Hickman plays Gentle, a triton monk. Quinn B. Rodriguez plays Sitlali, a changeling cleric. And Austin Knight plays Abiku Ishtar, a reborn goliath ranger. So, with that out of the way, here are the content warnings for this episode. Content warnings for this episode include nightmares, war, fantasy violence, blood, and complex and complicated relationships. Arc 5, Episode 4 a dark country full of soft grass and silky trees, from all a pacing horse by loon and paper bee. Kirtal sprawls open like a book that hasn't yet been written. The vast gray sky swallows the horizon, thick white clouds blooming through the stratosphere. The air here is thin, brisk, cold, like dunking your head into a bucket of ice water. Yellow fields of winter grass and rocky brown hillocks stretch as far as the eye can see, broken up by thin white veins of rivers, black pockets of gravel, and looming far to the north, the massive, shadowy ridges of the Ogumor Highlands. Also littering the landscape are handfuls of ancient ruins, crumbled pillars of stone, splintered foundations of settlements, old shrines and tombs cracked open for vultures to scavenge. As the four of you finally crest the lip of the chasm, wind whipping past your ears, stinging your eyes, heaving life back into tired lungs, Abiku, your pupils dilate. Your heart begins to pound. Sweat starts congealing your palms as shattered images flash across your mind's eye all of a sudden, like being smashed in the face by a battering ram out of nowhere. You see these rolling hills, yes, these flat open plains, but you also see there, over there, that pond of sand, that crumbled pillar, other images flashing over the ruins, massive citadels, doors of burnished oak, trees made of glass, an echoing hallway in a shrine, laughter, thunder, salt, the smell of lavender, and then it's gone. Just like that. 
and you're left reeling, I think, on the edge of the chasm, blinking, staring at that vast puddle of sand in the near distance. That vision of that castle, those citadels still pumping through your memory. You're jolted back into your body, back into the present, by a delegation of horses and Kyrian riders greeting your party at the edge of the chasm. But even as Selim swings herself onto a horse, and the rest of your party, I think, disperse to begin to choose their own mounts, those images, the castles, the glass, the smell of lavender, continue roiling through your head. I think... I go, I don't, I don't, unless the, that's the same direction. I don't go to the horses. I go to the puddle of sand, the, the, the sand pond puddle he just described. It's kind of, it's like maybe a thousand feet away. You know what I mean? I like start toward walking the north. that way. It's like, I start like absentmindedly, like everyone else is going to horses. And I just like walk into like a, I don't know if mechanically I'm running, but like, I'm like thematically I'm running. Mm. Dewey and V, the two of you just see like uh, Abiku break away and just start walking off like in the opposite direction of where you're headed. Abiku, where are you going? Over here. No. Why? Yeah, we've we've got. I, um, I there's 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 some I I'm I think she like halfway through the sentence. Uh, stop speaking in common and I don't think you two understand her anymore. I think she starts speaking in uh... Bah. I think V's gonna like look at Dewey and Rev and everybody be like, anybody speak that? Whatever that is? That is an ancient tongue. I... Growing up in the court, I, you know, I was a really bad priestess, but one of the things they taught us was the history of this land, and that, that is not a language that exists anymore. Uh, Abiku. And, like, Rev raises her voice and starts following you, I think, and Selim's, like, on the horse being like, what are you doing? We have to hurry. The Kagan does not like to wait. But Rev, like, raises a hand and says, just one, one minute, Selim. Uh, Captain Shy, I mean. And, like, starts, like, pursuing you. Abiku, wait, hold on. What's mm. what's going on? What's happening? I, I there's something I dropped something I think. You dropped something over yes. there where we yes. haven't been before. You haven't been before. I thought you said you woke up in the chasm, which also now that I'm thinking of the court, didn't you during our dinner say that you were from the court? Yes. So now you're from the chasm. Uh, Abiku, what's going on? I okay. So I I I don't I don't know. Okay. But I think I need to be over there and then I will know. Okay. Uh uh Brev turns around to address Dewey and V and starts like gesturing for the two of you to come and she like raises her voice and her like booming I think voice like carries over like the flat lowlands here back to Selim. Hey, we're gonna be just give us five minutes, okay? Five minutes. The Kagan can suffer five minutes of waiting, right? And Selim's like, fine, okay, five minutes, but hurry up. Uh as like Rev gestures for the rest of you to join her. V looks over to Dewey and back. Well, this should be interesting, right? And like, I think V was like still kind of like on a, on a horse or whatever and like flips off of it and starts walking towards Rev and Abiku with Dewey. Yeah, Dewey was struggling to get on his horse, so he's glad to take this leave. You're a bird! 
Yeah, I think it was like a big, like, muscular red roan horse. And as you just sort of, like, give up, it lets out, like, a snort. And, like, its breath comes out in these, like, intimidating wisps in front of its nostrils. Yeah, uh, V and Dewey, the two of you catch up to Rev and Abiku. And Abiku, I assume you continue to walk, right, toward that, like, puddle of sand. Uh, And as, like, your uh, new friends, I suppose, catch up to you and also continue striding, Rev says, you, um... I couldn't help but notice you looked a little... I thought you were just windswept when we crested the hill. Did something happen, Abiku? Um, yes, I saw... I remembered? I, I, I remembered something, I think. What did you remember? L- lavender. Like, the flower? Uh, the smell? The feeling? Uh-huh. And a a door of pit pillars and oak. Odd. Well, when I came back from the dead the first time, it took me a couple of days to get oriented. All that was really left of me was my desire to find and kill the myriad. It took me a while to remember my name again, who I was, where I came from. So... Maybe something similar is happening here after you woke up in the chasm? Maybe, but I... I am not dead. Uh Uh-huh. Right. Of course. You've died more than once? Uh, well, I've been brought low before, but the Raven Queen's always had my back since then. Oh, that is quite useful. Yes. Especially for a paragon, that's your one I don't need to worry about. I'll just watch the other two. Wait, which other two? Dude, what's wrong with that? I've got got Rev, I'm I'm good to go. Oh, well then just this one. And points to D. You know, that might not be so bad. (laughs) I think we could all stand with watching Dewey a little bit more. Well, no, no, uh, actually I take it back. I take it all back. No one watch me. You can protect yourself? Yes, that's what I meant. Mm-hmm. Doesn't oh, always well seem then... like it. Alright, is this meeting over? Are we... Is that it? <laughs> we, we're, we're, we still fi- we're still 500 feet away. No, just kidding. No, we arrived. <laughs> saved, by the, saved by the sand. We all arrive, I think, at the lip of, you realize now, a pretty vast crater. It's kind of like a big crater of just, like, black sand here. Like, huge. Maybe, like, several acres right like wide and across like uh, from a distance it was kind of hard to gauge how big this pocket of sand was but as you got closer you're like okay it's almost like a miniature lake here right instead of a pond so at like the uh, crested rising lip looking down at just this like pit filled with sand abiku as you stand there you sort of see like rising out of the sand are sort of like crumbled pillars like ruins of what Mm -hmm. used to be maybe like a building or something but every Mm -hmm. everything here is just I mean, that's all that remains of what used to be here. And as you stare down at this, like, area, I think, like, this sickening feeling of familiarity rises up inside of you. And I think, like, you get this, like, kind of dizzy feeling and, like, a little bit of a tunnel vision as, like, the edges of, like, Dewey and Rev's, like, arguments sort of, like, fuzz out and, like, you're just sort of staring at one of the pillars and, like, every single little granule of sand you can see. And it's almost like your body is being, like, knocked out of your soul and then... You see a vision of that same pillar, but tall, 
and proud, and as you look up, it's supporting a citadel, right? Like the, the bottom lip of like an entryway. And as you look around, you see trees, not sand here, but trees made of glass, black glass, beautiful, translucent branches. And you see in the shade of one, just the shadow of a person. And as they turn, that image shatters yet again. This used to be a forest. A, f- a forest? <laughs> In yes. Kirtal? Yes. Well, it was made of glass. Ah. Uh, and Rev looks down at the sand. Wait, how do you know that? I do not know. What, you just got like a bunch of prophetic visions or something? Aren't you like part of a god? I'm the paragon of a god. Uh, don't you have their, like, heart or something? I don't know how you all work. I have a fragment of a fragment of the Raven Queen's shattered soul inside of me, yes. Okay, so would a vision be so weird? No. Visions are not weird, but they usually only come to the right person or for the right reason. This used to be a forest of glass trees. I don't know what we need that for. There was a the building here, it, maybe a shrine or something. Maybe there's a god shard down there. V, roll history. Just you, oh. no one else. Um, just an eight then. Ooh, okay, V. Here's the hard choice I'll give you. Something about like trees of glass, right? Like ancient memories, ruins is jogging a memory in your head. Uh, but that memory is locked behind, I think, uh, this trauma of losing your mother because your mother used to tell you all of these like out of out of this world like nonsensical stories about dragons and giants right because she claimed your dad was a dragon and she claimed that your dad told her a lot of stories about what it was like to be alive in the ancient past but i think like the exact memory that's like causing this to surface is, is locked behind some of that trauma so like if with an eight that's what that means so if you tell me how you like open up to Abiku, I'll let the memories come flooding back. V feels this, and Abiku, uh, you didn't happen to be around. Do you know how long ago it used to be a forest full of glass trees, this vision of yours? Do you have any sense of that? No, I am sorry. I think more birthdays than you have had. Is there anything magical about this place? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm like... Um, you can certainly roll Arcana, but I'm going to let you know now, even if you get a really high Arcana roll, you still won't be able to know like the specific story around this place uh, unless you open up your heart a bit <laughs> to a Viku. Sure. Um, roll Arcana, go for it. Well, that's a 19. 19. You feel the weave sort of like wave and vibrate and tighten in certain pockets of this area. It feels uh, old really old almost like the strings of the weave are sort of worn thin here right with like really ancient magic that has gone to seed it's no longer active but when it was gosh it must have been powerful i think v feels all this for a moment and she turns to abiko and um abiko this this is going to sound um i don't know a little far-fetched um you know, I I had a mother once. She's no longer with us. She died when I was much before I had so many birthdays. And 
she always would tell me that my father was a dragon, which they don't exist anymore. And she would tell me these stories that he told her. And I'm just, I'm just a little uh, curious if perhaps do you see anything with dragons or do you, I, I, this is like super embarrassing for V. Like she mm. hates discussing all of this with you. Uh, she hates talking about it. I think Abiku like gets down, right? Cause like she's so tall. She like, do you want to see a dragon? Uh, wait, what do you mean by see a dragon? Do you, we are not with all those other people. You all seem quite nice. Do you want to meet a dragon? Abiko, <laughs> dragons don't exist. They're extinct. Well, well technically, yes. I, I don't know if they count for being alive, but, oh, my bag is quite far. One second. And Abiku just draws like a simple circle in the sand and pulls up that skull from her bag and she keeps pulling and pulling until there is an almost large, not yet, I'm not at the right level, skeletal dragon with like glowing orange like eye sockets. This is sun. Oh. You will not be able to understand them. Um, we don't know why they can talk, but no one seems to understand them but me. As these bones rise out of the dirt, like out of this magical glowing sigil with these like glowing golden lights in the depths of its like skull like face, right? It's like basically mm -hmm. like animated bones is what yeah. you, uh, V and Dewey see. Uh, you realize like it looks real familiar, okay? to the two of you. And there's like a brief moment as you're staring at this like reptilian skeleton that's like about the size of a large, very large dog. But the two of you flash back to like the night that you met and like you'd encountered those drakes, uh, Milo and Milo at the copper steward's lair. And like you flash back to the present now. And this looks exactly like if Milo and Milo were like bones instead of like fleshy and head scales. Um, uh, hi, son. Uh, where Dewey. did you get that? It uh, came with the wake up. The skeleton <laughs> Drake sits back on its haunches, uh, and it doesn't have like I don't know. Abiku, it's up to you. A lot of the aesthetic design, but I'm drawing on a lot of like Chinese dragon like aesthetic mm -hmm. for like Endaki's dragons instead of like European ones. So I think mm -hmm. like Sun is maybe if you're okay with it, like kind of long, almost like snake-like, mm -hmm. and can have mm -hmm. multiple limbs if you want. And if you want them mm -hmm. to have wings, I think they would have more than one pair, like several little small wings going down their spine. Okay. But the details are up to you. Um, okay. I said scratching Sun under the chin as if it is a dog while we're talking. And Sun like sort of settles down and raises uh, two of its like front front legs and sort of like almost as like a little wave to you, Dewey and V. Um, can I touch this dragon? Y I don't see when Sun is it okay? They can't understand you. Sun nods. V like puts out a hand and. You know the way like you do when you animal like maybe like sort of let it smell you a little bit before you like reach over and just like stroke the top of its head and i think v is just like 
I think at one point, like, looks over to Rev, like, what is this? Rev is just staring down at this animated pile of bones with, like, her arms crossed, her <laughs> eyes narrowed. And she's just sort of, like, muttering, undead, blasphemy, blasphemy against the Raven Queen. This is not, this is not right. This is, it's kind of cute. But no, no, this is wrong. And, like, Rev is sort of, like, keeping her distance and, like, muttering to herself darkly. And V, as soon as your hand sort of touches, like, the smooth surface of Sun's, like, plated head, a memory comes rushing back to you about this place, right? Your mother's words come rushing up from like the recesses of your of your history and you hear her say, well, the empire of Banhua, Visanti, had so many beautiful shrines scattered all across Andake before Andake was even Andake. Oh, palaces of gold and what we now know as Jukai, citadels of glass surrounded by glass trees and Kirtal, now that's a funny story. Those glass trees were said to be a sign of Galtanger's favor. And like, you know, the voice sort of like drifts away from you, like as that comes back. Oh my goodness. And like V like suddenly like looks up as if, as if she could see the citadel, even though it's not before her. A blessing of Galtanger. She like says that loud enough for everybody to hear, but she's like muttering to herself as she's like, just this memory and imagining this world that her mother described that V never believed in for one second of her life. And now it's just like, holy crap, everything might actually be true that my mother said to me. Girl, think that's who I point to Dewey. Right, that, that, that is good then. Maybe it's down there. Uh, just checking in. We're all looking at the same thing, right? Big sand crater. Uh, b- bone pet? You, this is Sonyus. How are you getting all... Th- what? Uh, um, I think that, like, V is like, looks down at Sun and it's like, like, is this something that Sun did to me? Is this, like, I think V is a little bit, like, taken back. Uh, my mother used to tell me about all of these different ancient, ancient Andake, Benwall, and all this and like V's like trying to make sense of it all in her mind while she's like trying to talk out loud like I'm just uh, I'm a little flustered right now uh, but yes Kirtal used to have these forests made of glass just like Abiku said my mother told me about this I just it's been so long I'd forgotten about it and Abiku uh, you hear in your head as V speaking Sun's voice suddenly reverberate through your mind ah, Abiku hunting grounds the forest is made of glass. I don't know why. I. So maybe we are from here? I don't know. This place feels familiar, but I don't know if it's home. Well, I think Abika sits down next to Sun. We will just keep an eye out. You'll have to go back and be back. I don't know about those other people, but I know you wanted to meet all of the paragons. I did. It's too bad that they don't understand me. Um, but I hope they like me. We will figure that out. I'm sure. I, I kind of look at them and I say out loud, "I am sure they like you just fine." Oh and yes. We, yeah. Both Ooh. of you see, like, sun, like, <laughs> as best as they can, have like a skeletal smile on their face, like looking between the two of you. Oh, you're a quite wonderful friend. I hope we get to talk more. This is 
been so fascinating. And I think like another rub of the head from V. Like Sun seems to almost nuzzle into it. He waves awkwardly from like a hundred feet away. <laughs> He's scared. <laughs> when when Ibiku started pulling this bone dog out of the ground, Dewey started backing up very quickly. Oh my god, that's so. hilarious. <laughs> He's like, I know my hit points. I'm gonna just take a big step back. <laughs> Rev actually calls out, uh, they're coming. Maybe you want to put that skeleton dog away? And like gestures to the horizon where you hear and Selim lead, like Selim looking extremely impatient and frustrated, like leading mm-hmm. like the horses like toward your area. Yeah, I mother something and just like touch Sun's head and they like disapparate. Bye! And then poof, like Sun disappears, right? And I think that's when like Selim and like the riders like all pull up with your things like on saddlebags and whatnot. Selim like pulls her mare around. All right. I, have you had your fill of staring into a pit filled with black sand? There's plenty of those across Kirtal. There are more. Of course. They're everywhere. Do you have a map of them? A map of Kirtal? Of course. But I don't carry it around with me. Everything's at Toktoa Kagan's base camp, okay? Speaking of which, I gave you not five, not seven, but ten minutes to just dick around and do nothing here. So can we please get going? Your generosity knows no bounds all across Antake. They will speak endlessly of your generosity. You're welcome, That's- Paragon. And she sort of like turns her horse around and gestures for the th- uh, four of you to hop on. Ibiku hops on and looks at Dewey and is like, we did not stick around. No one had a penis out. <laughs> Rev bursts out laughing. <laughs> When you say that, like a full barrel-chested hearty laugh. And Selim hears this. She shoots like a kind of like red-faced gaze over her shoulder. And like whips the mare back around and like clicks at it. And Rev like leans into UV and actually says, uh, you know, we can rectify that mistake later if you want. Yes, let's, uh, I'm open to all propositions. You know that. We can't get on his horse fast enough. (laughs) Just a desperate scramble. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. The same red roan, like, snorts and then starts hoofing off. And, like, a Biku and V and Rev hop on this convoy and begin riding uh, eastward. The journey to Taktoa Kagan's base camp takes, let's say, half an hour uh, to an hour of just straight up, like, galloping uh, across these plains. And a Biku, like, atop your steed, you see all of these, like, it's mostly just, like, flat plains and like like gently rolling hillocks in the distance but occasionally you see those pockets of black sand uh you see like crumbled ruins just sort of like flitting past uh you see like remnant like old like gnarled trees like taking their final stand like in the middle of this like plain you see like glittering streams of like uh rivers and whatnot and the ghosts of those visions continue clinging to your subconscious right so i think even as like the fresh open air like wafts against your face like billows the clouds on your skin your mind is still kind of preoccupied right something all three of you notice that's interesting uh is that I think it's pretty common knowledge, well-known just thing, facts about each nation that everyone would know. And one of the things about Kirtal is that there are wild herds of animals everywhere, right? That you might see like a random herd of like rhinos and hippos and like horses and zebras, but you don't see any. This place is completely devoid of fauna. And as you like continue surging east, you even see like patches of land that seem like all the grass is gone. It's just like rocky sediment, 
right? And like stones and like brackish earth. And I think like as like Kirtal looks very much changed. You're not sure if it's by the cataclysm or by something else. Eventually your herd of horses like begins like stomping their way up like a gentle slope. And then you pause at the peak and you look down all three of you at a massive military war camp. No fewer than like 10,000 soldiers, right, are here, stationed here. There are tents, there are gurs. Uh, you see like plumes of smoke rising from like wood stacks burning for dinner, uh, as well as like smithies, smithies that have just been set up here. This seems like an encampment, right? There's like a hundreds of tents just sprawling the horizon, peppering it, right? Almost like brand new settlements. And you see like huge poles with flags whipping around on them. And you see like little like ant-sized, right? Like soldiers marching between like uh, gaps in the tent and whatnot, right? And like there's a pause at the top of this hillock as you're just looking down, right? And like Selim like jerks her head, clicks along to her mare who starts like going down, going down this gentle slope. She sort of calls over her shoulder at the three of you. Come on, hurry up now. Toktoa Kagan is a busy, busy woman. I think uh, V like looks over to Dewey and is like, are you ready for this, Dewey? So many people. Are all these people here for you? I'm sorry, I don't... What is she going to do to you? You'll find out soon enough, says Selim as she continues clicking her horse along. And Rev is like frowning and she sort of like leans over her horse to address the three of you. This is weird. This is odd. This isn't, this doesn't look like a Kyrian clan. This is military. Are we captive? Are, are we captives, Captain Shy? Uh, and Selim says, of course not. Come on, there's not enough time to waste here. She continues like leading her horse down. And I think at this point, like you all like go down the knoll and you like even out right onto like the uh, ground level of where all the tents are spread out. And like Selim leads your party past like, uh, these like big open gates uh, with like watchtowers built up on them. And you see like Kyrian archers on the watchtowers with like their bows strung and knocked, right? But, like looking out, nodding as Selim like pushes your convoy through these huge wooden beams, right? Of like open doors. And as you move past the gates, um, you pass through this military encampment. You see like training fields full of like straw dummies. Uh, some of them are in the shape of like people, like straw dummy people, but most of them are in the shape of like big beasts and monsters. You see a couple of small straw like dummies that look like the chicken boys and like like one that looks like the face stealer and like you see like Kyrian soldiers like ah like hacking away at it like like fuck fuck fucking with arrows at them right at like archery range. You also like ride past broad pastures where us Kyrian riders are just doing running horseback drills right teaching their horses to like jump over obstacles like wade through like big like gulches of water uh, and also like breaking in like more uh, stubborn horses in these like wooden pens right with like rings and rings of Kyrian soldiers watching and, and shouting like encouragement. We also pass by these like smithies right with like furnaces set up wooden furnaces that have been built right like just sort of push, expelling smoke from like chimneys up, up top uh, and you see like blacksmiths just sort of cling cling bang bang like working at workbenches like smelting armor it seems you see like someone like bring out like a scimitar and like sizzle it in like a big like trough of water, uh, arrowheads, blades, etc., and like assistants running back and forth with like tools and aprons. Uh, and you also see just like a rank and file soldiers just everywhere all around you, snapping salutes as Captain Shy goes by, right? In padded cloth and like leather armor, dressed in like Kyrian military garb. 
which I don't know if any of you have seen before, because Endake has not been at war with each other for over 400 years. Uh, so you see like this military garb of like gold, brown, and green colors, right? And like everywhere, the symbol of Kirtal, a sun for Galtanger, and a Biku, yet again. As you're brought through this camp, you feel that same kind of like sickening, like, oh, like out of body, like feeling, like rise up inside your sternum. And you see images flash over this current camp of a different camp. You see like a tent big enough to fit like 20 people in it uh, suddenly expand to like, like be like, like 30 times bigger and wider, like as you see another image superimposed over it, right? Uh, and you turn around, like maybe your like, pupils dilated, like a little bit overstimulated here. You also see like the people walking past. You don't just see like goblins and kenku and humans and, and drow and whatnot, but you see like much bigger people. And like, I think you even like, like incline your head as you see like huge soldiers like stomping past to even like kind of dwarf you in some instances, right? And then you turn around again and you see like a banister of whipping in the wind, uh, but sort of superimposing itself over the Kyrian sun symbol is a different symbol, a circular one that seems to be shattered into six pieces. The words just come to your brain. Frost, cloud, storm, stone, fire, hill. And then as like the flag whips again, like you, you shake your head and like the, the sun symbol comes over it again. Uh, has, have you been encamped here long? We've set this up for quite a few weeks now, before the meeting with the Alliance of the Eight in Sulong. No, like, um, how long has, have, has it been Kirtal? How long was this Kirtal land? <laughs> what are you talking about? It's always been Kirtal land. And it's always been a sun? There was never, like, there's never six? There's well, never, like you, like, you draw the sun and then you make it, like, a pie? A pie? And Selim looks, like, so offended, right? Like, looking over her shoulder at you, Abiku. Uh, no, I don't know what you're talking about. This land has been Kirtal for as long as Kirtal has existed. After the Gambit Kirtal's, of Queens. What is that? Rev raises her eyebrows because the Gambit of Queens is like a, a massive historical event everyone knows about. Uh, that's like happened so, so far back in the past that it's like turned into like a thing of myth and legend. And Rev mm. chimes in and says, uh, Gambit of Queens was a uh, legendary war uh, that happened many, many thousands and thousands of years ago. Uh, um, it's when the first paragons actually emerged to protect the people oh. of Endake from despotic rulers. Oh, that is... Interest. I'm sorry, I did not pay attention in history class. <laughs> no, it's all right, Abiku. Uh, our modern states were formed, or so it is said, from the ruins of the Gambit of Queens during the Great Rebuilding, spearheaded by the Paragons. And before the Gambit of Queens, of course, it was the it was the era of giants and dragons, but that's prehistoric. And there were eight Paragons then too. No, Paragons are new, ish. Oh, okay. They only uh, emerged during the time of humanoids, not giants or dragons. Right. Uh, th th thank you. Sorry. Uh, I Can I stop here? I think I need to sit down. Selim says, oh, we're almost at the Kagan's tent. Does she need to see me? <sighs> I am not Dewey. I suppose it's okay if we hang back here, but I think she should meet the Paragons at least. Uh, Selim, excuse me, Captain Shy, one moment. And like Rev sort of like pulls on her black stallion. 
Abiku, are you gonna be okay out here by yourself? You just need a minute? I will be fine. What? How much trouble could I get into? That's fair. Just don't uh, wander off, okay? Yes. I will sit right here and she like sits on in the, the middle ground, of the maybe road. in the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like like someone like a soldier like braces their horse. Hey, watch where you're going. Like in in common, right? And then like banks around you. Dewey pats Abiku on the shoulder. It's like if if you're seeing visions of pie, uh, we can get some food later. Y- yes, I some maybe you're food. just yeah, maybe you're just hungry. Yes, right. We'll meet back here. And uh, Abiku, hey, um. Take it easy, okay? I know what it's like to sort of come back into the world disoriented. So, do what you have to do. Alright. V, Dewey, ready? Let's go. Okay. And Rev, like, nods at you, Abiku, like, her brow sort of nodded in concern, and it turns her head and continues driving her horse down the path. And I think we are going to stay on Abiku. Uh, as the paragons, including Manaya, sort of like disappear off into into the crowd, you just sort of sat there uh, in the middle of this military <laughs> camp. You hear like shouting voices, the clanging of like steel on steel from you're not sure if it's blacksmith smithies or from like training, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you hear like the thwack thwack thwacking of arrows, the shouting of commanders at their you know subservience, uh, the smell of like a, a early lunch cooking, and all of this feels so familiar, Abiku, this ocean of noise and sound, something about it feels like you've been here before, like a a blanket you've forgotten wrapping around you. What do you do? I try harder to remember. So I have an ability called Knowledge from a Past Life that's meant to be for skill checks, but I, I don't know if this would be a skill check. I want to try and burn one of the uses of that ability to like try to remember harder. Okay, so roll. Oh my god, I guess this would be insight on yourself. Okay, I will roll insight on myself. What'd you get? Eight, 18. 18. Tell me how you're centering yourself. Do you meditate? Do you close your eyes? Do you take a deep breath? I think she sits down on the ground and puts one hand into the, like, like claws into the dirt. And another hand, she just like lifts, <laughs> almost like she's raising her hand at like a school or something. Like something feels right about like feeling the breeze, but being connected to the land. Uh, and on that, we are going to cut to <laughs> Dewey and V entering a tent as the three of you and Manaya push into Toktoa Kagan's personal war room. It is a massive gur, the biggest one in the midst of all of these tents, like a huge one. That's like basically the size of like a small palace right inside here, where you see just like like a tanning area with like hides set out. You see like a, like a little like pit area with like a personal like uh, uh, campfire built up and like meat smoking and hanging and drying. And like in the center of this place, sort of like adorned with like hanging beads and jewelry and like the inside of of this hide uh, skin stretching over the the wooden ribs of this tent painted in, in such beautiful colors the center of this tent is a massive war table where there are just maps sprawled out like a, the central map is like a, just a vast one of Hirtal and various smaller like battle maps like on the corners with like f- figurines and like you know miniatures all over and like a uh, Toktoa Kagan is stood there 
sort of her hands like on the table, like studying this map, conferring with like several generals next to her, right? Uh, and they're sort of all dressed up in like the finest leather and padded cloth armor that there is here. And denoting their rank are these, is this like a spire sort of coming out of their like padded helm uh, with like a special, like I think like a ribbon coming off of it. And Toktoa's is like bright gold, right? And it's like the most, I think like ostentatious and the one that like has like the trails down the longest. And her generals on either side are nodding and conferring as well. Uh, and when the when the four of you enter, uh, led by Selim, Toktoa looks up. Ah, hmm, you're late. And Selim, Captain Shy, immediately drops to a knee and like lowers her head and says, "My apologies, Kagan. They got um distracted, uh, but they're here now. Uh, at your leisure." And Toktoa Kagan, this human woman with a face as sharp as a fox. Uh, throws like throws her gaze down at your party and nods. Uh, she mutters something in Kyrian to like the, the generals next to her, and they nod. They grab some scrolls and their belongings and they file out. Uh, as Selim also picks herself up, nods and leaves, uh, leaving only uh, the four of you behind, you paragons, for this next briefing. Talk to a gestures for uh, for you all to approach. V approaches. Uh, can. Can we just, like, take a little gander at uh, these maps to see, like, what they're maps of and stuff? Yes, give me a percent, uh, intelligence check. <laughs> that one. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. I mean, I don't read maps, what? I just oh, go in. God. Yeah, uh, not only do you... <laughs> Do you not know what the maps are about? Uh, what catches your eye isn't like the detailing on the maps, but like there are like miniature figurines, like they're golden of like horses, like minifigs of horses that look real, real nice, real pretty. With your nat one, I think your fingers start to itch. Oh God, am I gonna try to steal one of these horses? Um, okay, <laughs> well, it's- in the spirit of the that one, I think V's gonna like, like go over the map and look down and like, wow, this is really impressive. Uh, and maybe like, oh, look at that one over there. And as like leaning over that way, her uh, her left hand's going towards maybe a, a gold horse on another map to her left. Try to pocket it. Why not? Let's go. Roll sleight of hand. It's better go well. Twenty four. <laughs> You scoop up a handful of these, like, golden horses, and you, like, slip them down your sleeve or something, right? And, like, talk to a Kagan doesn't seem to notice. <laughs> She's just sort of going, like, oh, careful. Don't many, don't move any of the pieces around. Oh, They're there I for a reason. Agree. Okay, okay, yeah. And then, like, at that same moment, like, okay, hands up, okay. And steps away. I don't want to accidentally break your maps or anything. That's fine. Uh-huh. Uh, Dewey, how are you responding? How are you interacting as you approach? Um, I think Dewey is too nervous about approaching the Kagan to notice these shenanigans. Um, but me, I'm just having a guttural reaction of like, this is going to have serious repercussions in the future. You've messed up her war plans. But Dewey's too busy sweating (laughs) to notice. I love that. Uh, v and Dewey both take a point of inspiration for that. <laughs> I'm into it. Um, yeah, as you approach, Rev actually speaks up before the Kagan can say anything. Why is there a military installation here? Does the Eight know about this? Are the Alliance aware? Why? What's the purpose of this Kagan? 
and Toktoa smiles, revealing sharp canines. Why, of course, I'm doing what any good leader does. I'm preparing my people for disaster. War is coming. I know, as do the rest of the Alliance of the Eight, that um, what we call the Stranger, yes, is about to come again. I received word from Dr. Eluso that we only have eight months left. So, I'm preparing my people for war. Don't worry, none of the regular soldiers here are aware of all the specifics. Uh, the stranger itself, the eyes and wings motif that Dr. Eluso's filled us in about, the nothing plane, and she like glances at UV. But our people are very familiar with the what we call empty beasts, terrorizing our land, as they have been for the past year. I've told my people that more monsters are due to come, and to prepare for the worst in eight months. Can you blame me? When you put it like that, it sounds very sensible. It's just, uh, it's an alarming situation. I've not seen Andake like this in my lifetime. No. War has not blemished our land ever since the, uh, treaty 406 years ago at this point. But that's besides the point. You're here for Galtanger, right? Here to heed my challenge. The Surprised plan. you showed up. Well, you had a, um, we had escorts. I think V sees uh, what's going on. Yeah, our good, our friend Dewey here is uh, more than prepared. We've been training him he's been i've i think i saw him do some push-ups once uh we're more than prepared to um give to get dewey what is rightfully his which is a god shard of a good friend galtanger i'm afraid it will take more than just push-ups and squats to corral the herd uh and Toktoa pulls a battle map like close into the middle right uh, and this is not the one you messed up, V, thankfully, but this one delineates a certain port. Like, I think it's an overview of all of Kirtal, right? But it's marked up in a way that the other maps aren't. And she points toward like the center of Kirtal. This is a map of the great herds movements. I believe I may have mentioned this during the uh, talk that we had, Dewey, but just in case you forgot, we believe that the Shard of Galtanger is responsible for what Kyrians call the Great Herd. A massive herd of horses, zebras, cattle of every shape and size imaginable has been stampeding across our valley ever since the Cataclysm happened. At first, it was small, a herd of maybe only 10 or 20 strong. But as it continues running across the highlands and the lowlands alike, it picks up more numbers. Now, its herds are in the thousands, and every day their numbers swell. Rhinos, elephants, hippos, creatures I've never even seen or heard of until now. The herd was last spotted here, and she points toward the north northern foothills of the Ogumar Highlands, close to the Moroccan border. And on, like, maybe some of your puzzled looks, she explains, that's what we call the Morozan and Jukan border up north. They're overgrazing. They're taking cattle from Kyrians. They're destroying the land here, ruining everything Galtinger's given us. 
More than that, members of this great herd are difficult to catch and extremely aggressive. We're also uh, wary to ride our horses too close. Steeds that have been taken too close to them, even domestic ones, horses that have served us well for years and years and years seem to lose themselves, buck their riders off and join the herd. Almost like there's some sort of siren's call that only animals can hear. Breaking up the herd and getting the horses back from it that it took from us will be crucial to the war effort. Not to mention obtaining the God Shard of Galtanger, which I suspect is responsible for this. Do you have any sense of this? For example, this sounds a lot like when we were in the mines of Dabathati and uh, we had to locate the Shard of Anash. Uh, you don't have any any clues on to where the source of the Shard may be in your country? Galtanger is not like Yudabathi or Scadinectus. Galtanger doesn't stay in one place. She moves. She's free. She roams. I suspect she's hidden herself within the herd somewhere. I think V looks at uh, Rev and goes, Ah, this would have been a job for Oka. Someone who's actually good at handling animals. You're telling me. But they're cleaning up uh, your mess, Dabathati, and there's that whole thing about having Vinash in them that they have to get desperately out of their soul. We've got this. We can handle this. Right, Dewey? We've got Dewey. We have exactly. We've got the paragon of Galtanger right here. Yeah, Dewey. And I've got the the god jar all ready to go. Um, and Dewey pulls out of his bag um, a small pot. Um, it is not the one that you saw him working on in Arc Four. Um, it's like it's a little bit smaller. Um, it fits in a backpack. It's like blue and green. And I think it pulls this jar out of the backpack to show the Kagan uh, he means business. You see like a flashback of him sneaking out of, uh, excusing himself from dinner at Dr. Aluso's and like going into a guest room and taking a potted plant and then going outside through the back door and like dumping it out in the garden. Dewey! <laughs> Just d- dumping this like potted bamboo plant uh, out and cleaning out the jar and stuffing it into his bag and returning to dinner. <laughs> So it's just a regular jar? Yes, but no one has to know that. The Kagan has to, doesn't have to know that. Talk to us? Yeah! It's a can nice v jar. Do, can V do an inside check on Dewey? Yes, inside or Arcana, your choice. It's a nice Oh, they're not doing Arcana. Base. 15 Arcana check. Have you done anything to make it look magical, Dewey? Or did you just stuff it in your bag and then pull it out now? I don't think the work I did on it was quite magical yet. Like, I hadn't gotten to that that part. I'm working on it. Yeah, uh, V, it looks like a flower pot, and you don't feel the weave bending around it at all. I think V quickly grabs it from Dewey's hand. Let me tell you, friend, I have seen this thing in action. We did some practice tests uh, over at the Dr. O's. I, you know, like, Scud, Nectar, one of you pop on out, and let's try to catch you in the god jar. Oh, my gosh, it, it does the trick, so... I firmly believe in my work. I'm the friend of my friend, Dewey Quirk, and this beautiful, wonderful, most delightful, unbelievably, definitely works God jar brought to you by our friend Dewey Quirk. Yeah, we've been, uh, yeah, in our practice runs, we've been calling it the Scott jar. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, yeah, it definitely works. Super ready for it. 
Uh, all right, Dewey and V, give me a deception check. Uh, both of you. It's gonna be a group check. Uh, does Nat 20 survive? <gasps> Plus nine? 29? Oh my the god. Oh my god. Uh, Dewey, what did you get? Um, an eight, but I'm gonna use my flash of genius. So it's a 13. Okay, as you present this flower pot to Toktoa, who raises an eyebrow, she stares at it. You were able to make another one? So soon? Yes. We've got some of the smartest brains between Dr. Aluso and Dewey, and uh, that Jerron from that we just met is also quite smart. Just, we've got a lot of brain power working here. Hitsagaton helped you make this. Huh. Doctor didn't bring this up with me. It's definitely something I'll have to raise during the next Alliance meeting. These decisions. Galtinger might be your god, Cardu, but she is our patron deity. She is Kyrian through and through, and she is not going to like being cooped up in that little jar. So, fine. Do whatever you want with her. Just bring her back here if you can. And if you fail, then you surrender your right to Paragon. And it's my turn next. Sounds like a plan. Um, thanks for giving me a shot, although I guess you didn't really have much of a choice. Uh, Toktoa looks back down at her maps and like she like makes like a hand signal like just like not looking at you and like the generals that were waiting outside start coming back in like the meeting's over right like she doesn't even say goodbye like the meeting's over she just gestures and people start coming back in and talking and pushing past you and like past V and past Rev right and she like continues consulting the maps and I think on that we cut back to Abiku Abiku you sat in the middle of the road in the center of this military camp outside of Toktoa Kagan's main gur, with one hand up toward the sky, your eyes closed, legs crossed, soldiers all around you, giving you a wide berth, thinking you're a strange traveler from a far land. You plunge into darkness. You get a sense of something pulling at the space behind your navel, pulling you down or maybe up either way. It's in a very far, very long direction. Feels like your heart, your soul is dropping out of your sternum, down, down into the pit of your stomach, far, far behind you, in front of you, to your left, to your right. You can't tell. Somewhere beyond you, right? Almost like your body's being sucked down a hole the size of a pinprick. And when you gasp awake again, Lungs filling with breath once more, eyes flying open of their own accord, you find yourself in a camp. Uh, a completely different camp from this one. You see tents, yes. You see poles with stitching of flags flapping proudly in the wind, yes. But you also see the light of the dying sun above your head, yes. There is a sun modeled behind dense clouds, but the rays of Gaul Tanger peer through proudly through the atmosphere, sending golden shafts of light everywhere in this dawning dusk. And all around you, the structures, the tents, the girls are much bigger. The people here are bigger too. Seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve feet tall on average, dressed differently from the Kyrian soldiers you were just 
thrown away from. You see axes, long swords, short swords, long bows, etc. But you also see like studded padded leather armor, big steel pauldrons, chain skirts, tall boots, uh, extremely different fashion that is distinctly not Kyrian in style. In fact, it's like a conglomeration of different styles. Like if you asked an artist to imagine like eight different kinds of people uh, and cultures and just threw them all together in one big like mashed up melting pot, right? Uh, there are people swaddled in furs, you see like swaddled leathers. You also see shirtless folks wearing just bandoliers of arrows. You see folks with war paint on. You see folks who are tattooed from head to toe, all sorts of diverse bodies, body shapes and sizes. You see tieflings and minotaurs, orcs, half orcs, elves uh, all around you of just varying sizes and widths and shapes and whatnot. And you, Abiku, you are sat in the middle of the street yet again next to a stable, I think, with these gigantic horses inside just sort of snuffling around eating hay, right? And each hay pile is like the size of a person, right? So what do you do? I think I go to the nearest person, whoever that is. Excuse me, did the Kyrians move on? Are you the new war party? You stride up to a tiefling who's maybe a foot, two feet taller than you, uh, with these long black horns carved up out of their brow, painted white. Uh, and the paint on their horns seems to move within the horns themselves, like painted clouds going up and down, shifting all along the shaft of their horns, right? The tiefling is currently reprimanding a stable hand, uh, the six foot tall goblin person, which is, you know, short here. Uh, and the goblin is like scratching the back of their head, like looking very demurely up at this tiefling who turns to look at you. Because I just said something in common. Do I understand what they're saying? Uh, you speak in common uh, and you turn around and they were not speaking in common at all, right? Uh, they were speaking in the language that you and Sun intuitively communicate in. And you've never heard anyone, not even Dr. Aluso, outside of Sun and yourself, who was able to speak or understand this language, but you know what they're saying. I think she would just switch me like, um, do you understand me? The tiefling regards you uh, with a wrinkled brow. Uh, you see painted clouds on their face, as well as on their horns, right? Like moving from side to side, drifting in like an unseen magical breeze within their cheeks. And there's some thunder flashing through their face, strokes of lightning, uh, as this goblin like stable hand is cowering behind them, right? In the middle of them reprimanding this person. And as they turn to you, they narrow these gem bright eyes uh, down at you. Abiku, what were you saying earlier? You were speaking in tongues again? You know me. Of course I know you. Oh, sorry, Lieutenant Ishtar. Uh, and this tiefling sort of snaps a sarcastic salute at you. Yes, and you are someone I know. The tiefling gives you an incredulous look. I'm your captain? Captain Lua? Ah, yeah. Uh, and they scratch the back of their black ponytail. Uh, and amidst all this, the goblin stable hand has been creeping away, right, like this entire time, but the tiefling has completely turned their attention to you. Aren't you supposed to be on patrol right now? Yes, but I... Wait, okay, so you are real. Uh, Captain Lua gives you another quizzical, bewildered look. Uh, and they hold out their calloused palms, actually, and clap you on either side of your face. Uh, and you feel their fingers, the sweat from their hands, you smell this, like, thick hay wafting in from the horse stalls behind you, and they say, Does this feel real enough for you, Ishtar? Okay, I think I 
I hit my head or had a dream. Uh, there were other people here. They were not as big as us. And they also had horses. But there was no sun. Except that I have... Do you know sun? Yes. Uh, and Captain Law points up at the sun. No. Oh, this is, this is confusing. No, I have a friend named Sun, yes? There might be a Sun around, I don't know personally of a Sun registered at Fort Carson with the Cloud Kingdom with us, but maybe in a different kingdom? Okay, uh, do you, there is no Kyrian Kingdom? Kyrian Kingdom? Is that some sort of draconic clan? No, I've never heard of a Kyrian Kingdom. Are you okay, Abiku? And we have dragons. We... <laughs> Yes, of course. That's what this entire thing is about. Uh, and they fling their arms and gesture at the entire camp. Then I do remember something. We, I have a dragon, and we have dragons, and that's why we uh, have this uh, camp. Hold on. What do you mean you have a dragon? Are you talking about a trophy, perhaps, from the last battle? I mean, we did see you out there two weeks ago. You were really slinging your arrows and showing those murderers what's up no my friend son is a i would not hurt unless they hurt someone but his son would not hurt anyone i I don't know what's son listen the strongtooth clan and all their allies have definitely hurt us okay and our loved ones quite a lot and we really struck them back two weeks ago thanks to you Uh, and your captain claps you on the shoulder again i mean how many marks was it that you pulled? What, 50, 52? I... wait, wait, I killed 52 people? Well, yes. That seems like a lot. 52 people hurt us specifically? Well, of course they did. I mean, the Strongtooth clan raided our grain stores south of the White Knuckles and starved our villages out. That's why we're... it was a civilian attack. We have to get them back. Well, that sounds... Well, did we get the grain back, or did we just hurt them? That sounds bad. Wait. I... wait. Well, we prevented them from burning more grain stores down, right? With our two-week-ago attack uh, a fortnight ago, so we prevented a lot of casualties in the future. And your captain at this point is looking at you really quizzically and intensely, right? Like, this is a super odd line of questioning for you to pursue. Uh, And Abiku... I think as you're having this conversation, images start flashing through your mind. You hear this really loud, like, like echoing through your mindscape, and you smell burning grain, you see flickering fire, and you hear screams. The screams of people. Uh, Running, crying wails, footsteps, a huge structure shattering, right? Wood crumbling, ash sprinkling down across the air. But you also see and hear other things. You see your own hand, I think, in like a first-person view, right? Lifting up like the wood of a bow, stringing like an actual physical arrow, right? Pointed at a person on a bloodied battlefield. You feel the wood like tense and creak under your string and you let it loose, right? Uh, As you like see this like fog of war making everything super slow and blurry, you can't make out faces, but you do see your own bloodstained hand as you let that uh, quiver loose, uh, and the the arrow flies through the air and pierces the throat of someone grappling someone else, and this person 
who just got pierced like staggers, right? This arrow, your own arrow speared through their body and they fall limply uh, onto the ground. And just even before their body hits the ground, you've strung another arrow and you turn around just in time uh, to see someone charging you, like running like full force, except there's something jarring, something wrong, something different about this person. They seem like half transformed, right? Like the lower part of their body has legs and they've got arms out, but their neck has these like thick green scales. You're sort of like crackling, radiating up to their head. Uh, and you see this huge thick crest flowing from up above their brow, almost like they're a dragonborn, but a lot more, I don't know, um, distinctly dragon-like, right? Their head is completely lizard-like. You see this huge chomping maw just filled with gnashing teeth and you loose this arrow right before they like fall upon you, like right into their throat. Right, and they stagger backward, blood spurts like onto your face, like fresh and wet. Um, and then you flash back to your current state. Uh, and Captain Lua is actually like gripping your shoulder and looking at you really concernedly with those gem bright eyes. Hey, 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 Ishtar, you good? Uh, yes. So, I okay. I wait. This this is wrong. I am either dreaming now or I was dreaming before. But one of these dreams can help the other, I think. Your captain lowers their hand from your shoulder, uh, crosses their arms over a broad chest, uh, and says, I know you're supposed to be on patrol right now, Ishtar, but you're really concerning me. Not just as a subordinate, but as a friend. Perhaps we should speak to the queen. Oh, oh. I mean, I don't want to triple a queen with my with dreams uh, uh, queen undu not queen zalu our queen undu i mean it's no trouble at all she's she's undu yes of, of course sorry i is still everything is fuzzy is are there is there glass here glass trees yes of course the refractive forests are all around us Okay, where, where I was dreaming, the trees were all, they got turned into sand. What? Gal, Galtenga was gone. Someone gone? had- Gone? What? And there was, there was, there was something coming and there, there are these people I'm helping, the paragons, and they had to stop it. And I, I don't know if they, so we, we have to warn everyone that some, something is coming for everybody. Well, of course something's coming for everybody. The next attack by the next clan and their alliances and then our counterattack and then their counter-counterattack. We make a preemptive strike against their clutches. They burn our grain stores. They strike back. We strike back. They strike back. We strike back. That's how it's always been, Abiku. That's how it always will be. Wait, I think Abiku goes to rub her head and, like, realizes her hair is short, so she, like, goes to grab her mm. hair and is like... Oh, okay. I guess it's short right now. Um, wait, so why, why are we fighting? <laughs> You're feeling philosophical this evening, aren't you, Abiku? Sorry, I'm supposed to be helping keep people safe, but... Uh, no, I don't think I'd feel comfortable sending you out on patrol in such a state. I'll have someone else, the stable hand... <sighs> Never mind. Uh, and like, you see like the goblins like long gone as they try to reference them. Uh, well, if you are really truly in a philosophical mood, uh, I guess you could say all of this started with the first slaying, obviously. Yes, which I remember very well, but I am quizzing you now. 
<laughs> you remember very well. Well, I sure hope you wouldn't. I mean, the first slaying was a thousand years ago at this point. That's how long this war's been going on. Wait, that's a long time. It sounds like we're just fighting to fight. Wait. We're fighting for honor. To protect ourselves and our empire, our, our queens, our kings, our rulers, and, of course, our people. I mean, Abiku, you have a family, you have parents, you want them to live a long, happy life, don't you? I have parents. How many parents do I have? Two? Okay. And they are still alive now. But if if this is a dream, then I went... I was very far in the future. No one, no one could understand me at first. If this is a dream, then I am in the past, very far away. Uh huh. Uh, yeah. You know what, Ishtar? Why don't you come with me? We're talking to Queen Undo. This is concerning. Yes. Uh, Cap Captain. Law, Captain Law. Do you seriously not remember? We we grew up together. We grew up together, yes. Do I hang out in the glass forest? When in my other dream, it was it felt familiar. Well, yeah, of course. We grew up in the refractive woods, just a couple hundred miles east. Are you okay, Ishtar? Look, I don't know who this new friend you've made is, this son, or why you're being struck with all these weird questions you should already know the answer to, but son's not here. The answers are in front of you. They've been in front of you this entire time. Uh, this sun person or whatever is not with the Cloud Kingdom envoy we came with here to Fort Carson. We are at Fort Carson, and you are Captain Lua, and we are going to talk to Queen Und. And I am a lieutenant in a war, and I kill lots of people. Good. Yeah, yes. I'm glad you're remembering who you are, Ishtar. Uh, and Captain Lord like, slings an arm around your shoulder and starts leading you away from the stable. You know what, Abiku? Let's get some of the Queen's moxie in you. That'll clear your head right up. Y yes, of course. I don't know what's gotten into me. I can't wait to hurt more people. That's an odd way to put it. Uh, we're fighting for honor, justice, glory, love. Yes, we love who? Well, of your parents. Hopefully you also love me, your best friend. Yes, uh, so do we have other friends here? Well, of course you have other friends, yes. There's Ning and Sek and Jom and Daya and Uracle. Uh, and as Captain Lua continues, like, rattling off these names, um, that as they ping in your head, you feel this, like, familiar, warm ring around each of these names, but you don't conjure any faces or anything like that. So I have lots of friends. Well, of course. Best damn sharpshooter in the entire fort. Of course you've got lots of friends. Honestly, I'm kind of jealous. Wait, do people like me because I can kill people? You're really good at killing stuff, Abiku. Honestly, if you knew how to play politics better, I bet you could make captain. You're just too outspoken. Yes, it seems that is something I still do. Is Wait, do I do anything else? We just shoot people? Well, Ning's been saying you've been shooting her a couple arrows in her direction, in her heart area, if you know what I mean. Uh, and Lua starts, like, ribbing you with their elbow, like, in the side. Oh, yes, good, okay, but not literally. No, no, not literally at Ning. 
I you just I killed fifty two people a week ago or what? Stop saying people, enemies. They was, but they, and she kind of like closed her eyes. But they were people. One was doing transforming, but well, yeah, they're draconic forms. Also, dragons can transform. Well, yeah, I mean, so can we. Ishtar, this is getting really concerning. Let's get to the queen, okay? Okay. Yeah. Maybe it's best I don't talk until we get there. Maybe that is best. Uh, and at this point, you see a couple soldiers sat at a table drinking, and they're, like, pausing and, like, looking at you as they, like, hear what you're saying, right? And they're frowning and just sort of, like, rubbernecking. Uh, and you see, like, in the middle of drinking, like, beer sloughing down their front, like, right? Uh, and Captain Lua says, hey, 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 hey! Nothing to see here. Back to your work, soldiers. Uh, and the soldiers, like, slam their beers back down and avert their gazes, right? Uh, but as Captain Lua grabs your hand and leads you through the crowd, uh, you notice, like, most people, like, milling about this camp, this Fort Carson, are uh, snap salutes at the captain. And as they do, you start to feel fuzzy again, right? Like your body or your soul or something else inside you, magical, that's animating you, uh, is being drawn out of you from above, below, from the front, behind, you can't tell, uh, but out of your body, right? Almost like you're being seen from third person, leaving through the top of your own skull, watching yourself now as you're floating above your body, like being led through the crowd, getting further and further away from this vision. The last thing she tries to do is she looks at Captain Lua and she's like, it is happening again. I don't know when I'll be back. I will probably get to the queen and not know what you are talking about. And I am sorry. Uh, uh, Ishtar? Uh, hey, Ishtar! Uh, and Abiku, the last thing you see before black closes in around you, like a blindfold, is yourself stumbling through the crowd and then falling down, right? And then you see through your own eyes for just a split second, you see boots coming down, these huge, like, big steel-clad boots, uh, Captain Lua squatting down, looking at you with their gem-bright eyes with a lot of concern, uh, and then your eyes just sort of drift and flutter shut. And Abiku, when you wake up again... You are back, somewhere familiar, yet unfamiliar, once more. Abiku! 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 Hey, Abiku! And you, your eyes snap open again, and they're like misty and clouded over once more, and you're in the mm. middle of the Kyrian camp, and Rev ha has like grabbed the front of your shirt and is kind of like shaking you and looking kind of concerned. Hey, Abiku! Oh my gods, are you okay? You wouldn't wake up for minutes as I... I'm sorry, I had to slap your face a little. My name is Abiku Ishtar. Yes, your name is Abiku Ishtar. And Rev looks like to her left and her right to where like Dewey and V are standing. Yeah, did are you are you feeling all right? Are you? Uh, I am doing better now, but also not good. Uh huh. Are you like? Did you? What was that? When we said we'd meet you back here, I didn't mean, like, literally back here exactly where you were sitting. Oh, I did. Sorry, I speak quite literally. Oh, okay. Um, were you, like, sleeping or something? Your eyes were closed and your hand was in the air and all the Kyrians no. think we're weird now. Oh, are you sure that was me? How did the meeting go? Oh, you know, we've got uh, a flower pot of god jarness over here. We're doing great. Look. She's already disappointed in me. I'm just trying to manage, manage expectations the around here. Yes. Very good, dude. I appreciate it. By the way, don't expect that uh, that jar to stay in your possession for too long. 
I wouldn't be surprised if it's gone by morning. Are you saying you're going to steal it? No, but if I was anyone who had knowledge of that, uh, I'd probably be sending someone to try to get it from you. Okay, well, this one isn't super useful, actually. Um, I just want to make it clear that I am anti-lying to the Kagon, who is the military commander of this entire camp. Wait, so we don't have a flower pot of god stealing? The flower pot is real, Abiku. The god stealing powers are not. Oh. Well, that is not helpful to get Dewey's god shard. Yes, I understand. I'm well aware. Who needs a god jar when, and like, V like slaps Dewey in the back when the, the uh, god jar is Dewey himself? <sighs> that is true. Why, why are you so worried about this jar? Why don't you just go get it? That's how it worked for Vasca, and I assume for V and Rev? Yes, yeah, it is. You know, I just had to get my heart torn out a few times, and that was fine. Yeah, uh, if you haven't heard, it's not the most pleasant experience, and also everyone dies. So I'm just trying to. Well, everyone dies. Yes. Sometimes you come back. Just trying to. Are live you a little afraid? Longer. Have you met me? Oh. That's kind of his thing, Abiku. Oh. Yeah, he's scared of his own shadow. Not. That is oh. predictable. The irony of sun shadow. It's... All right, where are we supposed to start? Well, it's been a long day of travel. I think we can probably set up camp or find like a tent or something to maybe rest. I don't want to set out when it's about to get dark. I think we should set out first thing in the morning. Thoughts? That's fair. That is probably the best idea. Whatever you say. All right. Let's, uh, let's get some food in Abiku. Do you, do you have, like, a low blood sugar thing? Is that why you keep, like, spacing out? Uh, yes. I need blood sugar. Dewey, we've already established that Abiku gets weird visions, okay? Wait, were you I, having a weird vision just now? Uh, no. I don't know who's worst liar in <laughs> right now. <laughs> Dewey or Abiku? I, I don't think it was a vision. It was not, I, I don't think I should tell you here if we don't trust all these people. Okay, then let's grab some dinner and uh, find a place to sit, yes? And Revik sends a hand to help you up from the ground, Abiku. Abiku, Dewey, V, and Rev. The four of you are able to competently secure some food and dinner for yourself. Though, Abiku, maybe you're not so enticed by physical food, because I don't know if you need that to survive, given your current uh, situation. But regardless, Rev grabs, like, uh, lamb legs, like, cranberry, like, handfuls of cranberries, like, big steins of, like, Kyrian beer, and, like, uh mashed up and roasted like potatoes as well as like grains and root vegetables and like you also like pile on like a medley of vegetables and proteins and and various drinks onto your own plates uh from this like outdoor mess hall area where you see like kyrian cooks uh, for the military um doing a sort of like traditional like um sand cooking so they'll like uh dig up a pit and put like a raw like lamb haunch in there or a whole lamb and fill it up and like let it roast like over the course of like an entire day over like hot coals and whatnot so the, the meat here is really juicy and really tender and seasoned really really well i think rev suggests that your party sort of like go off to maybe the fringes of the camp like right by some of the wooden 
big wooden posts and fencing. Um, and I think she's also been able to, after talking with Selmlem, uh, secure a tent uh, for all of you to sort of sleep in for the night before heading out uh, to investigate the herd in the morning. So outside of your own little tent, like maybe sat on these little boulders, these little stools, Rev squats down, tears into her lamp leg, nods at your party. Tell us about the vision. Oh, yes. I didn't, it was not a vision. I think I left. Like, I think I went somewhere else. You were here, though, right? No. Dewey, V, when we came out of the Kagan's tent, we saw you just sitting in the middle of the road, hmm. eyes closed. That is weird because so a vision, right? You, you just see it. But I could, I was doing stuff and talking to people. Do you know where or when you were? Uh, I was here and it was not now. There were lots of giants. Gi giants? Yes. Like really tall people or like giants? Uh, you no, know, my brain says they are giants. Let me get this right. You. Yes. Experience yourself somewhere where there's giants and you just happen to have a dragon in your knapsack, or at least the skeleton of dragon. Yes, that was the other thing that was weird. They were they were worried about the dragons, but that doesn't make sense. Sun would, would never hurt anyone. Well, unless they deserve it. You're describing the Thousand Year War, Abiku. Oh. I guess Dude. I was there. But what? <laughs> Abiku, the Thousand Year War is, is myth. It happened m longer ago than the first paragons of yore. Tens well, of thousands of years ago, even. Then maybe I was inside of a book. A book? A book? The forest was still there with the glass. I tried to warn them that something else was coming, but they did not believe me. And they said I kept trying to warn them. So that, you said all that took place here. Yes, it was here, but it was their camp. And I was supposed to watch it, but then afterwards they were going to take me to a seer. My hair was short. This doesn't make any sense. No. Leaf, my um, ex-fiancé wife, uh, she was a prophet um, of the court of ravens. She was one of the best prophets Endake has ever known, actually. Um, magic doesn't come easily to me. I'm not a good prophet or seer or diviner at all, but I do remember Leaf saying something about past lives, how she was able to commune with her own ancestors. Is it possible you were looking at your own ancestor's face? Maybe. I, I do not, I do not know anything. When you woke up, though, you made sure to say you are a Biko Ishtar. Yes, they called me that back then, but maybe that's still not me. Maybe that was my ancestor's name. That's a strange coincidence, even for that how is, strange this already is. That is odd. Is. Well, it doesn't make any sense. If it wasn't an ancestor, then it means it was you. But if that's true, then how are you? You have to be at least like 20 or 30,000 years old. That is a lot of birthdays I need to collect on. <laughs> and how are I you back? How are you young? Are you a, a lich? Did you do this? I, are you immortal? 
I, I, the honest answer is I do not know. Oh. Also, uh, I don't need to eat. I guess that's kind of out of the bag. Right. I mean, I did notice that at Hitsagaton's cottage, you were doing a very poor job pretending to eat a biku. I was out of practice because Vasca and Costas knew and I stopped pretending for them. If, okay, even if you were alive during the Thousand Year War, why are you back now? This doesn't feel like a coincidence. We're in the middle of the Cataclysm. Paragons are coming back and now someone from 30, 50, whatever thousand years ago is back too. There's got to be a reason for that. I used to think that I was going to be one of you but it seems that is not the case. So the only thing I can think of is that I'm here to protect you all. I'm quite good at that. It seems like Dewey needs some help. That's true. Yeah, but you wouldn't have been sitting around in the chasm for 20,000 years just to be my bodyguard. Are you sure? Exactly. Also, your dragon drake thing is bones, but you are like a person you're like and rev actually reaches forward and like touches like your arms and like your muscles mm-hmm. and like kind of pat mm-hmm. squeezes your face you're like mm-hmm. a- alive i mean you're dead but you're you've got flesh and you don't look like a corpse i am glad that i don't no offense to you son i know you can hear me none take in a biku we'll find your skin i say out loud. <laughs> <laughs> huh what and like what? rev drops her hands from your face Sorry, I was talking to Sun. They they really want to find their skin. Huh. Speaking of Sun, V, you told me about your exploits in Dabathati uh, on the eve of the Cataclysm. Sun kind of looks like what you described as like those dragon dog things with the stewards, right? Yeah. Uh, do we use... We encountered these... Yeah, these dragon dogs, they were very... They were scary at first, but they ended up being pretty lovely. They looked very similar, except they had, you know, skin. We're not, Dewey. I'm not going to put into the idea of taking their skin for sun. That's, no, that's, please. No. Oh, please. No. Uh, ju- um, Dewey, if memory serves, you called those creatures drakes, right? Something about how you require material from a real dragon to make a drake? Uh, yeah, that's just stuff I've read, though. I didn't think I would see real ones. And I also didn't expect to see bone ones. Abiku, I'm not sure if Sun is a dragon dragon. I think it's... I think there may be an undead variant of a drake. Which is, I guess, a dragon's pet or something? Oh, okay. And well, Sun says, I'm, I'm, I'm not your pet, I'm your friend. Well, yes, and I'm also not a... Like, it's like speaks off to left camera. Well, yes, and I'm also not a dragon, so you wouldn't be my pets. Wait a minute. That's right. Why am I with you, Abiku? But I like you. I I love you. I love you too. I don't know. That person made it seem like dragons were bad, but that can't make any sense. I'm not bad. Am I, Abiku? No. I don't think so. I don't think I'm bad either. By that logic, right? If dragons were bad to one side of a war, then to the other side of the war, the giants would be bad, but I don't think I am bad. But it seems like at one point maybe our sides were opposed. Oh, sorry. Are you done talking to yourself? What? 
Oh, no, well, I was talking to Sun. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's gonna get real confusing real fast. Duh. I try not to do it out loud, but I'm just used to using my voice. Listen, Dewey, V, I don't know about you, but I think I need to, like, take a breather. I, like, need a minute. I'm just gonna... V, do you want to join me on a walk? Absolutely, I would. Abiku, listen, you have my sympathies. It sounds like you are being racked by these visions left and right. You must be confused, befuddled, bewildered. I have been there, and I hope we're able to find out what's going on with you. I do too, but if I don't, I, I'm just glad I can be here to help people who need it. You know, I'm starting to believe that. All right, uh, V and I are gonna uh, take a walk. Do you want to join us, or are you gonna do your own thing? Uh, I'm good. You two have fun. Great. <clears throat> and like Rev sort of like mutters to V, I just did that to be polite. I'm glad he didn't actually take <laughs> the invitation. Uh, and starts I know like going than off. <laughs> and V's like, Abiku, step one, protect Dewey. Good job. Abiku just like turns in her seat to like look at Dewey. So how is it? Uh, never mind. <laughs> what did you do before all this? Uh, you mean like in too long or? Uh, in general, before the world was ending. Oh. Uh, I built stuff, you know, like the God, not the jar, not the vase, but like the God jar, the real one. I guess you haven't seen oh. the real one. No. I built stuff. So is your plan to build another one and then use that? Yeah. Oh, well, should we get to work? Sure, if you don't think it's a dumb idea, uh, like so many other people do. Well, I mean, I am not one to question a paragon. You got picked for a reason, and maybe that reason is for this jar. I don't know. But I you saw Galtinger, and I mean... I, I don't think a god would pick someone that does not have a good head on their shoulders. Thanks. That's the uh, that's the most confidence <laughs> anyone has had in me so far. Even yourself? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Oh. Well, you should probably work on that. It's... <laughs> I know it must be scary. I, I guess I don't know. I, I can't imagine, but you got picked for a reason, Dewey. I don't know why you would doubt yourself. It would They would not pick someone just to watch them fail unless they wanted the world to end, but that seems convoluted to the beings who created the world. Yeah, I'm, I feel like they also wouldn't choose some random person to bring back from 20,000 years of being dead. So. Unless I'm here to give you this message, and then when I get done, I evaporate. Uh, it is a joke. It's a joke. Okay. Okay, good. I'm glad you're sticking around for the time being and not turning into the, you know, mist. Me too. Cardu, uh, both of you hear this voice, like sort of on the fringes of the fire that's flickering, and you see sort of standing like uh, on the edge of your tent, talk to a Kagan. Uh, she stood there, like, by herself, like, her arms are crossed, like, her, sh like, sharp, angular face seeming even steeper in the shadows that are starting to descend from the starless sky as, uh, af late afternoon turns into an uneasy evening. 
Uh, her eyes, her dark brown eyes sort of narrow as she looks at you and then at a Biku. Cardu, a word in private. You don't mind, uh, do you? Cardu's friend. Uh, my name is Ibiku. Who are you? <laughs> oh, that wasn't a joke. No, and then she like stands up out of her chair and walks over. My name is Ibiku. Like, she looks up at you, right? Lowers the hand down. <laughs> right, like she, her arms are still crossed. She doesn't take the hand and says, that's not a traditional Kyrian greeting. I am Toktoa Kagan. I'm the oh. leader of this place. My and you apologies. are? Abiku uh, Ishtar, I am not the leader of any place. You don't mind if I take Dewey's ear for a couple of minutes, do you? I have some um, information that won't be appropriate to share with anyone but the Paragon of Galtanger. Oh, well, no, of course, I understand. She, like, looks around Abiku's, like, massive, like, eight-foot frame to you, Dewey. Come on. And she turns and starts okay. walking. Okay, I set down my food and follow. Um, I'll be back soon, if not. Um, please come for me. Wait, do you think <laughs> she would try to kill you? I don't think so, but... Should I, tra- should I follow you? Nah, I will follow. Okay. And she goes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. We'll be sneaky. Do you, do you sneak know how to sneak? The other side of the tent. She's already walking. She's already hey, gone. Yeah, do you're left. You're left in the lurch. Uh, v, Rev has taken you to like uh, I think like out of out of the camp, right on like a little like grassy knoll, has sat down with you, right next to it. So you can sort of see all the glimmering torches and the going on goings ons, right of the camp, like kind of close to the wall where your own tent is perched. And you see like you see coming out of the shadows, Toktoa, like a dress Dewey, a Biku come up, and then you see a Biku like slink off into the shadows, <laughs> uh, to tail like Dewey and Toktoa, right? And like Rev just says. <sighs> political machinations of the Kagans. Let's not worry about that right now, V. We have one final night before we have to go off and do Paragon things, eh? If we can take our minds off of that for just one night, considering all that we've apparently learned today, it was a very busy, wild day. I, if we could just not for a second, um... It's a lot to process. Yeah, you know what? Let's just let it go for now. We can, that can be a problem for future V and Rev. What do you think? No words were better spoken. (laughs) Rev turns and kisses you, right? As you're like lying down on this grassy knoll. And I think we're going to cut away (laughs) from that as we go to Dewey. Uh, You follow Taktoa right like through like the fringes of the camp and as she walks like ooh, like people like snap to attention right like like immediately straighten and like talk to her just sort of like hmm, like nods right sternly and passes by and she actually leads you like around the inner circumference of the of of the camp to like a little um there isn't just like one gate of this camp there are like several other gates with like watchtowers and smaller gates as well uh she leads you to like a smaller like archway uh leading out into the area where during the day Kyrian riders would practice like riding uh their horses right and like launching arrows from a distance so it's not a pen it's just like a wide pasture of like tramped down grass just outside of like the the ringden camp itself right uh, actually at the base of the hillock that v and rev are on but maybe like a thousand feet away Toktoa Kagan leads you out here, just you and her, right, for some privacy. And she stops maybe 
300 feet away from the camp. Uh, so it's just the two of you with darkness sort of like encroaching deeper in, uh, the starless sky getting darker and darker all around you, shadows growing long, right? Like the sound of like uh, laughter and soldiers like talking to each other and the banging of, of the smithy sort of like retreating to the distance beyond, beyond the wooden fence. Talk to a turns to face you. Cardu. You don't strike me as a very confident man. What, what gave it away? <laughs> Maybe the constant sweating. She takes a step toward you, actually, when she says that. The way your eyes won't ever meet mine takes another step toward you. As she approaches you, are you like backing away or standing your ground? Uh, yeah, I think I'm backing away as the steps keep coming. And you speak in a way that's just so... And she takes like a final step toward you. And I think you back up into like a rock that's nearby, right? Maybe submissive. What? What do you mean? <laughs> and Dewey, Toktoa like pushes up like onto you, right? Like as you like back up onto this boulder. And I think you're like, girl, what? Like, I think it's like a moment of like pure, like, because how's Dewey responding to this as she sort of like cocks her head and leans in? This is the last thing he expected from her? Why, why did you bring me out here? <laughs> Isn't it obvious? Haven't you ever had a midnight rendezvous before? And like her hand is like going to like the back of your feathered neck and the other hand is like starting to like move onto your like leg. I think Dewey just like um, like slides down and like under her arms uh, to try and get away. She lets you go. I think you fumble a little, like, uh, like you slip under her arm. She looks at you as you, do you like fall into the grass or are you just sort of like scrambling backward? Uh, yeah, I think I fall into the grass. I'm not, I'm trying to make it not like super obvious that I'm trying to get away. <laughs> I don't know how successful you are with an eight, but you do get away. Like you slip under her arm, you fall into the grass. You're like looking at her wide eyed. Like what the fuck is happening? Uh, she looks down at you and starts to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Cardu, 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 Cardu. And Toktoa's face melts away to form that of a hound's head. And like the leather armor like sloughs into like a neat suit, right? And a tie uh, and like these like trousers and these like leather boots as the myriad, this dog headed demon sort of is like doubled over in laughter next to the boulder. <laughs> oh, oh, that was delicious, Cardu. It's been a long time since I've had so much fun with you, my friend. So did you just show up to lead me on or what? <laughs> what do you want this time? Uh, that was just a little bit of a old fashioned fun from your old friend the myriad or have you forgotten it's been so long cardu since we last spoken i believe i don't think i've seen you since well since the court oh yeah sorry uh i wasn't keeping track it wasn't really a, a thing i wrote home about <laughs> well don't worry don't look so scared cardu i'm not going to pluck you and roast you I have news. Some updates, if you will. Care to share? Care to fill me in? Last we spoke, you pointed me in the direction of a tapestry in the rose. Do you remember? 
If you've forgotten, Cardio, this tapestry is the only kept record of the Stranger War. Outside of oral histories and widely debunked and theorized uh, written articles about it, this tapestry in Morose might be the key to unraveling why the Stranger is here, what she wants, and how we can stop her. So, did you get a hand? Uh, did you get your hands on it? Well, you see. And as, like, the Myriad moves in to keep talking with you, we cut up to the hillock. While this was happening, and before the Myriad even transformed into Toktoa, I think, Rev and V, the two of you have been, uh, let's say enjoying yourselves, right? But V, Rev suddenly pulls away. Like, freezing. Like, she pull, like she rolls, like, away from you. V, do you, do you feel that? V, do you feel that in the weave? Uh, I assume I do. Should I roll for it? Yeah, make make an Arcana check. You've been making like a million Arcana checks this session. Uh, fifteen. You feel the weave, like tighten and sort of like strengthen and like sort of like pluck itself, like kind of at the base of this hillock, maybe three hundred feet away. Uh, I feel. And I think V's gonna like look in that general direction of where she and felt that coming from. That's when both of you see Dewey, like, on the ground, looking up at Toktoa Kagon, who's doubled over laughing. And then you see Toktoa Kagon transform. Rev, is that... Is that the Myriad? Without a word, without a sound, Rev disappears in a whirlwind of black feathers. And that's when we cut to Abiku. Abiku, roll a... Yeah, stealth. Make a stealth check. Uh, am I gonna use my ability? Because that's a one. Total? Uh, total. It's a nat one, but total, <gasps> it's a five. Okay. I like that. I think what that means is you're very obvious when you yes. arrive on the scene, uh, but you're still able to follow follow Dewey and Toktoa. Uh, quote unquote Toktoa. But you arrive on the scene. Not early. If you had had like a high enough stealth check, I would have like allowed you to do something first. But like because of your not what I think like you arrive at the same time as everyone else, and you make a huge scene when you enter, uh, even bigger than Rev's scene because the myriad Dewey is opening his mouth to say his next sentence when out of nowhere, feathers like whirl into existence, uh, and Rev like her eyes burning, her face just has this like sheer grim concentration. Like you've never seen this look of just like, I think the last time you saw it was like in the throne room when you were off fighting the Paragon Killer, right? Settle over her face, it just scrunched up in pure hatred. Grim is in her hand, this scythe, and she just without a word sweeps no it like <laughs> in the various direction. Um, Dewey, as you exclaim, like, no, like, hold on, like, wait. Uh, the Myriad was not expecting this. So I'm just gonna make a quick series of rolls to see what happens. The scythe cuts into the Myriad's, like, arm. He lets out a, uh, as Rev, like, whirls. And you see, like, blood, like, black blood explode upward, like, from Grimm's, like, blade. And she turns around to, like, slice at him again, but he's prepared now. He grips his, like, bleeding, blackened arm, ugh, and, like, jumps backward as, like, the next slice, like, cleaves air, right? <laughs> Why, hello there. Uh, but without saying anything, Rev's just gonna continue to advance. And that's when Abiku enters the scene, making a huge entrance. I think if I walk in and see Rev attacking that uh, and Dewey on the ground, I'm just also going to go into attack mode. 
Uh, so she's going to take, I guess she hasn't used her bow yet. Uh, you see her sling, what looks like, she keeps talking about being an archer. She doesn't have a bow like on her back. She's had like, on her hip, she has a fan and on her back, she has what looks like just like a long piece of wood. And she like takes it off her back and like flicks it. And it opens up almost like a compact bow. But when it opens, it is clearly like a dragon's wing. Uh, and she pulls, she doesn't knock an arrow, she just pulls the string back and you hear this like whistling of wind as a magical arrow forms. And I'm just gonna shoot this thing. If Rev's already attacking it, she's like, oh, this is, I was right to, she's like, I was right to follow. Dewey's in the grip. I, this is why you have a bodyguard. Okay, um, make an attack roll against the myriad. Can I put my hands up like against Rev and like, <laughs> towards Abiku? Yes, you can. Like, my feathered wing in front of the Myriad's face, or chest, I, I guess. Are you trying to take the blow for the Myriad? I'm just trying to say, like, no, wait, stop. Okay, uh, I think this is all happening, like, simultaneously. Abiku, like, pops open this bow, like, strings a magical arrow and lets it loose as you pop up and, like, shout stop, like, at the same time. So, what'd you get, Abiku? I hope it's not gonna hit Dewey, because I rolled a nat 20. <laughs> <gasps> That hits. So how we do nat 20s here in Transplaner is you can either take full damage, roll full damage on it, and then roll dice again, mm -hmm. or you can roll double dice and pick a narrative boon. So you get to decide, like, you get to seize control of the narrative for, like, a hot minute with your with how the arrow happens. <laughs> Something I think would be cool is when you hear it fly, across the whole camp, it sounds like there's, like, rumbling of thunder. Nice. Yeah, like... As you yeah. let this arrow fly. So roll double dice. Roll double dice. 14 piercing and then uh, seven force damage. Nice. Where does the arrow lodge into his body? Uh, I think in the, I aim for whatever, like the wounded they were already holding. Okay. Yeah. Like another arrow just th like thwacks into his arm. <sighs> right. And he like staggers backward a little bit as like thunder explodes outward and his like dog like head like snaps up. You see his like ears like perk up and like turn in every direction. And then his like crimson eyes settle on you, Abiku. And even as he's there, like, like panting a little, like holding his like injured arm. <laughs> oh. And like his tongue, a tongue that is much too long for a dog, flicks oh, out of his mouth and like licks up the blood, right? Like on his shoulder and he goes, mm. and like sort of like rolls his shoulder back, almost like he's like enjoying the pain, right? Like, mm. oh. oh, it has been so long, hasn't it, Dewey? Dewey's just frantically yelling like, stop, stop, Rev, get, get off of him. I'm sorry, Dewey, but he dies here now wait i want v to be able to also enter the scene i think at this point like as the negotiations are happening so v you see all of this shit happen shit's popping off you're up on the hillock 300 feet away what do you do i'm gonna do this purely for like mechanics to back it up but i think she's gonna use a sorcery spell to use quicken spell yep uh so she's gonna cast as a bonus action then dimension door so she can down there and she sees what's happening, and she sees the myriad, she sees all the damage, and uh, she made a promise to Rev, you know, back in the Court of Ravens. So V is going to cast a singular green for poison chromatic orb 
We're just gonna say it's a level seven spell slot, so, and she's gonna try to throw it at the myriad. More, not more, not really throw it, but just sort of like whoosh and just like let it fly at the myriad. Oh my god, Dewey, what's the spell you're trying to cast? I'm trying to cast Odaluke's Re- Resilient Sphere because I want to create an impermeable sphere around me and the myriad. Why don't we do that first? Uh, because you are at the scene first. V zaps in. You see the like this ball of like roiling acidic magic fling out from V. You feel the weave like tense and then explode with magic, and you know that that ball is like serious business. That is some serious firepower V is pumping at the myriad. So Dewey, how does the spell work? Uh, he's got like a what you thought is like. <laughs> A pen with like an eraser with a pla- uh, like a plastic cover over it that you can slide on and on, like open and closed. And so he like flicks it um, closed over the eraser, and then just this sphere um, around him and the myriad only flicks into existence. And I think pushes the people who are close back a little bit. Uh, and is the is the myriad willing to enter this sphere yes, with me? Yes, he is. Okay. He is. <laughs> okay. Uh, and nothing can pass through the sphere. Uh, not physical objects, energy, or other spell effects. Is there like a save or anything, or does it just happen? Is it a concentration spell? Uh, it is concentration, yes. It is a fourth level spell, so. Okay. Then it, then it just works? Uh, what's the duration of it? Uh, uh, one minute. Okay. Like, an invis- is it invisible, like translucent? Like, kind of like with like some magic glowing around it so you can kind of see the, the, the boundaries of it? Yeah, I think it's okay. sort of translucent. I'm envisioning, like, uh, Violet from The Incredibles when she, like, has her, like, you know, like, sphere, like, but instead of, like, it being purple, it's just, like, pure force magic bounces up, uh, and V, your spell, like, explodes, I think, like, against the sphere itself, right? And just, like, goes everywhere around it. So why don't you describe to me what it looks like as, um, you cast that spell and it's shielded. So yeah, V uh, pulls this green orb of poison. It's much larger than, say, the chromatic orbs of the beginning of this campaign. And she sort of, like, flicks it there, and, and it hits. And the the sort of shield pops up just in time. And you just hear, you see this green ball hit it. And just, like, almost like a paintball splatter just all over it. And you see it, like, sizzling, sizzling the shield, trying to get in. And it just doesn't, and you just see it slowly start to dissipate as the effects wear off. Yeah, Dewey, I think you feel something jolt your soul and magic as these magic collides against yours, right? And, like, I think you, like, take a moment. You have to maintain concentration over the spell as it's being assaulted on all sides here, right? And, like, Rev has Grim out and is just sort of, like, slashing, like... And like bashing like with her fist and with like the, the butt end of the staff like at the sphere huh, like trying to get in right and a biku I think you are also on the outside of it with your your arrow drawn and the myriads inside just sort of like still holding his like uh like messed up arm and he's just laughing <laughs> oh Cardu oh but I am touched what were you gonna say the myriads eyes flick over to each of you <laughs> oh but this isn't the party you've been traveling with for so long, Cardu. I'll admit, Tell I was me. able to tail you for a little bit, but where's Oka? Tell me, 
about the tapestry, or I hand you over to my friends. On one condition. Now that your friends are here and so murderous, they have to promise not to try to kill me. After I tell you. Rev says, absolutely the fuck not. Is, wait, I am confused. Is this a print of Dewey and, and Oka, or what, what is happening? This is the myriad. He's the demon. He's the filth that killed, that killed Leaf and killed me too. He's the reason I died and came back. My entire life's purpose is to kill him. I need to know what he knows. Wait, but if you kill him, will we have to go find a new paragon? Will you die if you kill him? I don't know. And at this point, I don't care. Well, hold on, Rev, Rev. That's actually a really, really... Really important point here. V, whose side are you on? This is it. This is him. He. I've been sticking with Dewey for a year, waiting for this moment to happen when the myriad would come and confront him. It's happening now, V. Are you with me or not? Dewey, put down the shield right now. I need to know what he knows before Rev kills him. Sorry, darlings. No shield. No info. Wait, I just think, to be pragmatic here, Rev, do you think your vengeance is worth the world ending? Whatever comes out of that snake's mouth, technically I'm a dog, darling, is not worth keeping him alive. But no, I don't care about him. We're talking about you. If your whole purpose for being here and brought back by the Raven Queen is to kill him, and then you do, and then you die, then we have to figure out who the new paragon is, if there even is one, and then the world may end. Rev, 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 Rev. When we met and we agreed that we were going to do this, you didn't have any other reason to live at the time. Now, you do. She looks down at the ring on her finger as she's like gripping grim and she looks at you and I think like the wind's blowing right her like short hair is getting ruffled like as she looks at you and for just a moment like the hatred on her face like fades away like just edges of softness crumbling at her jawline I I do I do have something else to live for which is why I can kill this motherfucker and still be assured that the world is not going to end, Abiku. You can trust me here. I have something else to live for that's not just killing you. Oh, but I'm flattered that your hatred for me has kept you alive for so long. That's flattering, right, Cardu? Uh, I think Dewey kicks a foot, um, trying to get him off balance because we're inside of a sphere. <laughs> he, he Tell me takes what you it. know. He seems to enjoy it. <laughs> Again, uh, not until I have some reassurance that uh, your other fine feathered friend here, and his eyes fall over like Rev's feathered cape, isn't going to try to kill me as soon as the words leave my mouth, and that you won't drop the sphere as soon as the words leave my mouth. Well, wait, do you have your, do we have your word that you won't try and kill Dewey as soon as the words leave your mouth? I'm not interested in killing Dewey anymore. That's not what I said. Fine. I, s- I give you my word, Demon's Honor, that I'm not going to kill Dewey after this parlay is over. But it was someone else? 
Will someone else try to kill Dewey? Well, that's not my problem, is it? <laughs> you just said it's weird. You said I, like, pointedly, you know? But I'm only one person. As for my former employers at the URL, I can't guarantee what they will and won't do. That's right, Cardu. That's my former employers at the URL. I've put in my two weeks notice. Wait. I'm a free so... agent now. I'm doing this of my own free will. So what are you going to do after you leave here? What's next Well, that depends. Are you going to take my offer or not? Keep me safe, Cardu, or I won't tell you anything. Is it... You're working against the stranger. And I look at Rev. <sighs> He's lying, Cardu. He's a liar. The Myriad is a dirty fucking liar. He promised that if he just killed me, he'd leave Leaf alone, but he didn't. You can't trust a word out of his mouth. Okay, yes, I admit it. You caught me. I did lie to you about that one thing once. Okay, I'm a demon. I get my kicks somewhere, huh? But Cardu, I'm not lying to you when I say I'm not on the stranger's side. The stranger seeks to destroy Andake, and I like to live. I like pain. I like causing pain. And I can't have that if there's nothing at all, can I? So for now, our interests are mutually aligned. Abika puts her bow and sits down. V looks to Rev. I'll do whatever you want. I am not going to promise that I won't try to decapitate him as soon as he's done speaking. But whether or not you're able to sustain that sphere to prevent me from doing so, Cardu, is up to you and how strong you are. You understand? I'll take those terms, if you agree to keep the sphere up to keep me safe as I talk. Uh, okay. Clock's ticking, but yeah. Not clock's ticking, Cardu. I need you to do something better than that. I'm familiar with this spell. It doesn't last long. I need you to push your limits to keep me safe. What makes you think I'm more capable of sustaining this? It's not like I have a god shard in me. Well, you're still a paragon, aren't you, Cardu? Fine. What? Tell me. Okay. I ambled my cute little way up to Morose to investigate rumors of this tapestry and to catch our friends up here who have not heard of this tapestry. It's the only actual real record of the Stranger War that exists in Endake, so you might imagine why I'm so motivated to find it. Well, I did find it. it. Took me a couple of months and spare change, but I was able to track down rumors of this tapestry to a certain lair in Morose. You, actually, Paragon of Scotonectus, might be uh, egged to learn about this lair. They call themselves the Chromium Order. They are in possession of the tapestry. I was able to sneak in, disguise myself as a member of their ranks. But that tapestry, let me tell you, that is under lock and key. Not even I could break into the chamber that was housing it. I did catch a glimpse of it, though, once, when I was pretending to be someone on patrol. It was massive. Quite beautiful. Larger than life. At this moment, Dewey, I need a concentration check from you. So make a constitution saving throw. Uh, 17? That is sufficient for now, but you can feel like the sphere like flicker and waver and rep moves in, like gripping her scythe, right? Uh, but you, uh, uh, like you keep it up, right? And I think like the sweat 
starts to like really drip down your feathers as the mirror seems to enjoy, right? In fact, like as like you're uh, painfully trying to keep this fear up, he seems to even get like, like you see like his wound like begin to knit up. Almost like he's like siphoning your pain to heal himself, right? Like the wound on his shoulder. My, 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 what did I feast my little eyes upon but a beautiful weave work of, yes, the stranger war. Now, I'm no master of Morosi tapestry. I don't really know how to parse their art or their craft, and this tapestry was very, very old, thousands of years old by the look of it. It was vertical, and it told a story from the up-down. I recognized symbols of the eight paragons on top, facing off against... I don't really know how to describe it, really. I'm no artist. Uh, in layman's terms, I suppose, a uh, blue light. But as the tapestry went downward, the same images kept coming up. Those same eight symbols, the blue light. But the blue light became more and more sophisticated, let's say. Out of the light as we traveled down the tapestry came eyes, and then wings, and then, huh, what would you have it? Some familiar-looking monsters, or at least the weaver's best depiction of them. I, of course, tried to peer at the end of the tapestry, but it was cut off. As in, the tapestry wasn't done. The last spools of the weave of the tapestry were left hanging, almost like whoever made it ran out of time or cloth. But that doesn't make any sense, does it? Also, this was just a preliminary glance of the story. And like I said, I'm no morosy expert. But uh, little birdies on the vine have whispered in my ear that perhaps you do have some morosy friends in your repertoire now. I believe their names are Jaron and Gentle. That is the name of our new friends, yes. What about them? Here's my proposal to you, Cardu. Before I say goodbye to your other fine-feathered friend over there, I believe that if you were able to actually look at the tapestry's contents for longer than just a glance like I did, get someone who knows how to read Morosin culture, Jaron or Gentle or both, could potentially reveal new information about the Stranger War, yes? And the Stranger's motivations, her powers, her weaknesses, even. This should be next on your priority list after you leave Kirtal. But whether or not it's you going up north, or perhaps a friend of yours who might have, uh, daddy issues, and his eyes fall on you, V, remains to be seen. Can we kill him now? <laughs> yeah, I think at this, Dewey can't hold up the shield uh, any longer, and he goes, Wait, uh, and the bubble comes down, and he's like, did you see a tablet there? A big stone tablet that they also had? And as Rev moves in to fucking kill this guy, the last thing the Myriad says before he disappears is, why, yes, I did. And he's gone. Teleports just away. And, like, Rev slices at the air, like, right next to you, and she staggers forward. Fucking... He could do that this entire time. He was just stringing us along. Ugh! And she like lets out like a shout and just like 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 plants Grim like a flag like into the ground and just shouts. He falls to the, he collapses to the ground. 
Well, someone will surely come ask us what was going on after that. I say when Rev shouts. V runs to Rev and just, she's prepared to touch, hold, hug perhaps, but I think maybe during screaming, he's like letting her scream, but is like right there poised to like just give her whatever she needs. And I think on this image of like Rev, she's like fallen down to her like knees and is like pounding the earth, like next to Grim, like, oh, fuck. Right. And is like, oh, like, cause she like let. So sorry. She failed to like get like, this is her entire undeath was leading up to this point and she failed to get him. Right. So she's just like shouting and like pounding at the ground. Abiku sort of standing off to the side, like, I don't know what's going on here. Like Dewey, like panting, like exhausted from keeping this fear up. V right next to Rev. We're going to pull out shaking with this revelation of the myriad and end the session there. Podcast editing for this episode is by C. Thomas of Oka Hien fame. Toss them a follow on Twitter at PieSharpArt. Transplaner RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter and ExplainTrade.com, a negotiation skills training consultancy, because you can't ask to roll persuasion in real life. Check out ExplainTrade.com. Please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps so much with getting new listeners to find us. New podcast episodes drop every Tuesday. If you can't wait that long, tune into our live stream Saturdays at 7 p.m. U.S. Central Time on Twitch at TransplanarRPG. Also, toss us a follow on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and YouTube at TransplanarRPG. We also have a Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res art, and much, much more. And finally, a very special thank you to our Patreon Paragons. Azura, Brooke Bright, Charles, Chiacres, Cora Eckert, Emma, Hat, Conding, Lex Slater, Purple Mouse, Scruffesis, and Target.